Welcome to another episode of Indiana Politics. I'm Deb Chubb, and we are going to talk today about the Office of Attorney General in Indiana. We're lucky to be joined by an expert in this area, in Destiny Scott. Uh, she comes from Indiana, grown up here many generations, and graduated from undergrad here, and then went off to University of Texas at Austin for her law degree. She came back and uh, worked in the Attorney General's office under Curtis Hill, uh, the previous Attorney General, and then also worked in um, the Indianapolis uh, Attorney, uh, the Corporate Counsel's office in, for the city of Indianapolis. Um, and so we're very lucky to be joined with uh, by Destiny today. And to start a conversation, I just wanna point out that we have uh, had two Attorney Generals now uh, with really outsized personalities and really uh, extremist views. Uh, of course, Curtis Hill being most famous for being having his uh, law license suspended after sexually assaulting uh, two women legislators, um, among other uh, problems. And now uh, we have uh, Todd Rokita as Attorney General in Indiana, who within a month has made himself famous for first uh, perpetuating lies about the 2020 election results and now uh, for having another job besides being attorney general. So, uh, so uh, Destiny, thank you for joining us to talk about this topic. Oh, thanks for having me, Deb. And I'll get in trouble if I don't um, say it's, it's Destiny Scott Wells. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Mr. Wells, Mr. Wells will think I ditched him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry about that. So, um, so great, so let's get um, right into it. Um, you know, we're so confused at this point, I think, about what is acceptable behavior uh, for an attorney general uh, for the state of Indiana. And so maybe you can just give us a little primer on you know, what is the responsibility of an attorney general for the state and what is their authority? So I think that a lot of people believe that the attorney general has this vast amount of power and that's really not the case. And especially if you're reading the um, comments coming out of Rakita's office or Rakita's Twitter lately, um, you, you would think that he can influence uh, many things like elections and uh, the sorts, but that's not true. The attorney general, so the attorney general is um, provided by statute and that he or she is responsible for basically being the defense attorney uh, to the state, to state agencies and its employees. Um, so, or uh, like teachers. So anytime that an agency gets sued or an individual gets sued who is acting um, within their duties, the attorney general's office will represent them. So that's the litigation piece. Also, the attorney general advises uh, the legislature. Uh, let's say a representative has uh, a law that they wanna put forward as a bill and they want an opinion on its constitutionality. Uh, for example, uh, Curtis Hill put forward an advisory opinion on whether the governor could mandate masks and whether that um, could have uh, criminal uh, ramifications. They can do that. And then also um, they just give uh, advisory opinions to agencies and um, 
that's that's about it. Uh, there is some white collar crime prosec- uh, that they can prosecute, but as far as pro- um, criminal jurisdiction, it's very limited. Um, people, they sometimes think that we're more like, let's say a state like New Jersey, whose criminal justice system, the attorney general oversees. That's just not the case in Indiana. Well, and it looks like there's some legislation that might change that a bit. And we're gonna talk about that a little later on. So um, tell me a little bit more about um, Rokita's um, uh, positions uh, that he has taken that really seem to be, you know, a la, a la past President Trump. Right. So he's a bit lockstep with uh, President Trump. And even even now, uh, after the Capitol Hill uh, riots, so we saw him when he was AG elect, uh, aligning himself um, with the with um, President Trump about let's say election fraud. Um, now Curtis Hill and 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 Rakita are a lot of uh, in a lot of ways similar. So in like Texas v. Pennsylvania, where Indiana joined in and they wanted um, states like Michigan and Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin and Georgia, they wanted their elections to be overturned because they went to President Biden. Uh, We joined in on that, the state. And so Rakita said that, you know, he had those same beliefs and that same interest in that case. And very quickly, the Supreme Court wouldn't even entertain it because uh, other states don't have standing in in, um, states' elections. So he started out, you know, in that way. And then um, the Capitol Hill riots occurred and you didn't hear from him for a while. And then he tweeted on January 8th that uh, I will always be for our president. And, uh, you know, this really uh, didn't sit well with people um, with the uh, Twitterverse. And so he says the next day that he actually was just doing an experiment in First Amendment speech. He wanted to see if the tweet would be taken down and if Twitter as a corporation Um, would regulate his speech. And then he goes on to talk about his First Amendment rights. And this is just ludicrous because he's gaslighting Hoosiers. We have First Amendment rights against the government. Our First Amendment rights are there to protect us from people like Rakita, not for Rakita to be protected against people like us. (laughs) So, and all right. It it does, it comes, it becomes a little comical. I, you know, you can't help it. Um, so then um, another, uh, another problem comes to light uh, recently about Rokita, and that is that um, he has another job besides being the attorney general for the state of Indiana. He's also a, a stakeholder and an employee of a consulting firm that, uh, that uh, gives advice on health care policy uh, to employers uh, in particular, uh, and I believe the state. So tell us more about that. <laughs> So Apex Benefits uh, states that it's Indiana's largest benefits firm dedicated solely to employee health and welfare benefits. So it's the largest firm. It has a lot of clients and it has a lot of contracts, not just with um, private employers, but also with government entities. And so Rakita started working there before he became attorney general during that, uh, those couple years where he wasn't a U.S. congressman and he wasn't an attorney general. And... So he has this employment and um, Senate Bill 1 is heard uh, 
early January and Rakita shows up and says, not only am I AG elect, I'm here to testify <laughs> as an employee of Apex Benefits. So what is Senate Bill 1? Senate Bill 1 uh, protects employers against any possible COVID litigation. So he's already showing his hand that he has a conflict, but he's he doesn't care and he tells them that he has this conflict. And why is that? Well, Indiana statutes are very um, lax as far as uh, conflicts for, for, for office holders. And so you'll hear analysts say, oh, people just kind of turn a blind eye. And what Rakita did was he didn't get an opinion at the AG elect whether this was really a conflict. Instead, like I said, he's in front of the Senate testifying. So what he does is he takes office January 11th and then he asks for an informal advisory opinion from the inspector general uh, the day after. Now, his new chief of staff is Lori Torres. Lori Torres was in, um, the inspector general. Now, Torres says that she wasn't there when the opinion um, was given that she had already started working for Rakita. But it really makes you ask, why didn't he take care of this when he was AG elect? That's what that time is for. It's to address these conflicts and to offload them if you need to. And so this opinion, because it was an informal advisory opinion, is confidential. And so there may have been a little gaming there, right? I can show up, I can testify on behalf of my company, I can take office the 11th, and then I can ask for an informal opinion with my chief of staff who no longer works there, but was working there at the time that I was aware that I had the conflict. So we're never gonna know who wrote that opinion and we won't know those conversations that took place you know, behind closed doors. So what are the next steps? Well, we, the, um, the ethics commission could, can um, issue a formal opinion and they can look at these business relationships he has. As attorney general, he has clients like the Indiana Department of Insurance, the Department of Insurance, and he's still on the rolls and a stakeholder in a company that is in the business of employee benefits and insurance. He also um, oversees the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit, and that's all. That's very close to the space of his clients. Now, there a lot of the analysis I've seen has only looked at it from the um, ethics statute. But what they need to remember is that Rakita is also the chief legal officer for the state of Indiana. He must be duly licensed as an attorney to have that role. Like we saw with Curtis Hill, um, we have the Indiana professional rules of conduct that attorneys must follow to maintain their license. So it's not just the um, eth ethics statutes that people just kind of, you know, wave their hand at. It's also that he's an attorney. He's party to all of the lawsuits in Indiana. Um, most of that, there'll be very limited instances where he may not be, but what he should have done as an attorney was say, hey, I work for Apex. Well, first of all, Deb, you and I know that he should have just quit, <laughs> but he should have said, I have all these clients and I'm now attorney general. I'm on all these cases. Where could I possibly have a conflict? And you would have to do a conflicts review and that takes a lot of time. Obviously this wasn't done. The opinion was issued within four days and I'm not really sure that the um, inspector general is really concerned with what Todd is doing as an attorney. So 
um, there's rules within the professional rules of conduct. There's one, it's called 8.4. And it says that um, you can't do anything that's prejudi prejudicial to the administration of justice. And then there's a nice convenient footnote that says, if you're a um, political office holder, you're, you're held to a higher standard. So, um, you know, there's a conflict here. <laughs> there's a conflict to say the least. And the office has said, hey, he's gonna release his financial disclosures. You'll see, you know, who, I mean, I guess that will lead to who he's directly working for, but um, that, that is not a mechanism that is timely. Uh, this needs to be a, an ongoing review and really just the appearance, right? So he's a stakeholder in the company. Anything Apex Benefits touches, it appears that Todd touches. And so he really shouldn't be working there, period. Um, and people have brought up the ACA litigation. Now that ACA litigation was actually started by Curtis Hill and it's been fully briefed and um, argued. And the position of the federal government's changed slightly on the merits because of the Biden administration, but they haven't asked for a supplemental hearing. So I don't think that Rokita will be able to influence the ACA litigation, even though it is in the same space. But like I said before, he can advise the legislature on how it moves forward and he can um, influence the legislature uh, to the benefit of his clients. That his is just clients. unbelievable. <laughs> private clients, absolutely right. Not not us, which she's supposed to be representing. Um, yeah, and I mean, it doesn't make sense. Anybody who's in business um, knows that your primary goal is to make a profit. And as a stakeholder, you have honestly a fiduciary duty to ensure that that corporation is making a profit. So I'm not sure how that cannot conflict with um, some of the issues he's going to be taking up as attorney general. So we also know that the legislature. Um, uh, historically passes bills uh, every year that they fully expect to be challenged because they are not constitutional. Uh, and in fact, they appropriate money uh, when they pass these bills to pay for the defense of the, of the bill that they know that they will have to defend in court because it is unconstitutional. Uh, and so, so we're seeing that again this year. And um, of course, reproductive uh, health has always been, uh, you know, uh, you know, a uh, testing ground for the Indiana legislature willing to uh, go over the line uh, no matter what uh, and spend whatever amount of uh, Indiana tax dollars to defend uh, unconstitutional laws. So talk to us a little bit more about the bills that are coming up this year and that we expect to see Rokita, uh, you know, spend our tax dollars to defend. So we spoke um, before and I'm just gonna say really fast or my um, friends at the AG's office will be upset with me. They also do consumer protection. Um, <laughs> so back to your question, uh, we said before that the attorney general um, gives advisory opinions to legislators about um, bills that they wanna put forward. And so there was a bill in particular, um, SB 200, that the attorney general, when it was Curtis Hill, took a neutral position on. Um, and that was to allow um, the J AG to have prosecution um, to uh, allow a, when a local legislator, sorry, when a local legislator decides blanket, I'm, I'm categorically not going to prosecute a certain crime, that the AG is able to step in and request a um, special 
prosecutor to prosecute those crimes. So that's a, an expansion on his um, on his duties that the legislature is is trying to do. And there are a couple of bills like that right now. Um, that bill in particular is being put forward by uh, Senator Young. He'll tell you that it has nothing to do with prosecutor Ryan Mears in Indianapolis and his refusal to prosecute low-level marijuana crimes. He'll say instead that he was thinking about it beforehand and, you know, those people in other states were doing things that were troublesome, so we, we tried to get in front of it. Um, so that is a piece of legislation. And uh, I think that even though Hill didn't take a position because you have to think he's, he was a former prosecutor, right? He likes, he at the end of the day is probably on the side of prosecutorial discretion. Um, but I think if you see Rakita have a chance to, to step in on a local prosecutor, he's going to do it because he wants to be able to brag that he did. Uh, you also have SB 198 where the AG will have concurrent jurisdiction to prosecute uh, offenses of what they're calling rioting, so unlawful assembly. Really, it's just an anti-protest bill that's masquerading as an anti-riot bill. Uh, the AG has the ability to prosecute some crimes that are committed um, during those assemblies at this time, but this bill will expand that uh, and it will also enhance criminal penalties. So what will that do for the, the Hoosier citizen? I mean, it's gonna chill their first amendment speech, right? They're not gonna wanna go protest if they know that if they're even the, in the vicinity of the protest that they could have, um, there could be a criminal penalty. So those are um, efforts by the legislature to expand the power of the attorney general. And they've done this before. Um, they've done, I think they did this last uh, session where they wanted the attorney general to be able to um, prosecute like almost any crime that a local uh, prosecutor chose not to. And um, really it's just um, an effort by the legislature to, st to step in on these um, urban communities um, like you see in Marion County, like you see in Lake County, um, and allow a Republican attorney general to, to have power. Yeah, we, we're seeing that really all over the country, this kind of um, uh, adversarial relationship that is really emerging between urban areas and very, um, very conservative state legislatures. Um, all states have some, you know, urban areas that tend to be more liberal, tend, uh, tend to, you know, uh, you know, be in favor of, of minority rights. And, uh, and here we have a state legislature trying to, you know, kind of step all over that. Uh, and Indiana has seen that quite a bit, not only in this um, anti-protesting bill, but also in, um, uh, you know, the tenants' rights uh, ordinance that Indianapolis, um, you know, passed last year uh, that, the, uh, that the state legislature just, you know, stomped all over this, this year. So, um, so this, yeah, this home rule, home rule issue is really, um, it's bigger than Indiana, it's happening all over. But I wanna ask to, still about these kind of these, kind of these bills, like the reproductive rights bills, um, you know, I don't know, you can't really call it a reproductive rights bill when it's, you know, when it's taking away. Right. Rights. So it's an anti-reproductive rights bill, I would call it. Uh, uh, one in particular that um, is requiring uh, physicians to tell patients that, uh, that if they uh, take a pill that induces a chemical abortion, that they can reverse that process uh, by taking um, some other pill. Um, and of course, we know doctors have testified we, you know, that this is not proven, this is not scientific. Nobody knows if this is accurate. 
and um, and it's really not not cool to have doctor require doctors to say things to patients that are not scientifically proven. Um, so again, um, do you think that's going to be something that the AG is going to be defending in court at taxpayer expense? Absolutely. <laughs> so that bill that you mentioned in particular, HB 1577, was put forward by um, Representative Peggy Mayfield. She has a history of putting um, forward anti-abortion bills, and they, um, the majority of the time, end up in litigation. And so to your point of costing um, taxpayer dollars to put forward legislation that they know to be unconstitutional, um, that bill in particular, uh, doctors have raised their concerns that they're, they feel that if they have to put forward this junk science to their patients, that they will be committing malpractice. So out of the gate, it just is, it's unconstitutional. And what is the question there about whether Rakita will defend it? Okay, so if you go back um, mid-2010s when the when DOMA Defensive Marriage Act was being litigated all across the U.S., then Attorney General Eric Holder encouraged um, states attorneys general to not um, fight those cases if they believe them to be unconstitutional. And so you, you'll hear um, many Republicans say that you have to defend it, right? It's a statutory obligation. You have to defend um, the statutes, Indiana statutes. And and really, so in the trial courts, yes, you should. Um, you, you heard Jonathan Weinsapple say this when he ran for attorney general, you have to defend the, this, the laws. However, once you start to get at the appellate level and high, like up to SCOTUS, there is discretion there whether to, um, to litigate these. And, and it's a bit of strategy, right? So you don't want to litigate something that would possibly undo laws that are favorable to you. We also shouldn't want to waste taxpayer dollars on something that you know is a lost cause. And you ask whether Attorney, um, Rikita, Attorney General Rakita will fight these. I mean, we have to look at his political views. So he believes that um, there should be no abortion in any instance. So even if you have a woman dying um, in the, I mean, with a non-viable fetus, he doesn't care. Okay, women are second-class citizens. So you can bet that he's gonna channel all his energy into trying to get to the level of SCOTUS and chip away at Casey and to chip away at Doe. Um, so that's, uh, that's where he's going with that. <laughs> a foregone conclusion. Okay, all right, great. Well, um, then, you yeah, know, I think- I'm at row. <laughs> you just say he's going to chip away at Casey and, and Roe v. Wade um, if he can, if he can. Yeah. Great. So, all right. Um, uh, we can see that this is problematic. We can see that um, uh, we need to work a little harder to get a Democratic attorney general elected in 2024. And we've got, uh, what, um, three long years uh, that we're going to have to put up with this. So I am very hopeful that you'll come back and we'll talk about this again. Uh, as we as we move through this this dark time in Indiana, so um, so sum it up for us, uh, Destiny. Uh, what can we expect in the next three years uh, from this Attorney General that we have? Well, it's like last night on a call. I said, "Hey, we just need to buckle up." <laughs> And get ready for the ride um, until 2024, because we do have this Republican supermajority, and we've seen it the last couple of weeks out of the state house. They're they're unhinged, and then we have this 
overzealous, self-promoting Attorney General Todd Rakita. Um, you know, he never shies away from the limelight, even if it's, uh, you know, negative attention. So those two actors are going to really be at play and they're just going to kind of egg each other on until we can get some balance in there. We haven't had a Democratic Attorney General since 2001 um, with, uh, I'm sorry, Freeman. Um, Karen Freeman Wilson. I don't want to yeah, mess up her last name, Wilson. Yep, yep. And uh, from I think we had a Democratic Attorney General from two from 1993 to 2001, and so we've had Republican Attorneys General for a while now, and I think it's imperative that. Uh, in 2024, we run, we run a strong Democratic candidate for attorney general. I'm not sure if Rikita will run again. You, you know, he always has great, bigger ambitions. And sometimes I feel, I mean, I think we all know he's just sitting in this position uh, to, to stay relevant. Um, but 2024, we really need to um, start working on that. Yeah, well, and, you know, and, and in political campaign terms, uh, it's right around the corner. So we really need to start finding good candidates and uh, developing our case. So, all right, so we're almost out of time. So um, Destiny, uh, I always like to ask for any uh, great parting words of wisdom uh, that you can share with us. I always get good answers. I know you'll be the same. Great parting words of wisdom? Yeah. Drink water. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good, you know, self-care. It's all about (laughs) self-care. So um, water, stay hydrated. Like we said, it's going to, it's uh, 2022 is just, you know, around the corner and 2024 will be here before we know it. So dig in and get ready. That's great. All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you again. I appreciate all of your wisdom on these topics and, um, and it's complicated. And so we're lucky to have experts like you to help us uh, understand all this. So, all right. Until next time. Thank you so much, Destiny. You're welcome.